Do you like my new mask? <laughs> well, I'd like to welcome everyone to our church. And I've never seen this many people at our church for the past seven months. Even though it's only like a handful of people, uh, since we have opened up, I'd like to welcome everyone. And because we are now open and not live streaming anymore, we, I have to have a mask on. And instead of having a mask on, which would be more difficult for you to understand, I decided to put this face shield. And sometimes there will be reflections on, on the face shield, but please excuse me, and this is the way that I can at least protect you and protect myself and, and be safe. So please excuse the reflections on my face. When I was growing up, the main form of punishment was spanking. Uh, did you grow up being spanked from your parents? <laughs> some of you, some of you. And when I came to this um, country, uh, I realized that spanking is not recommended. As a matter of fact, it's illegal, right? So, so what is recommended? Timeout definitely is something that you can, you can um, it is actually, psychologists always say that it is highly recommended for your children. There are different forms of, forms of uh, punishment, like marker system. If you have done something wrong, you write your name on the board and you get, some of the, your privileges can be taken off. Or there are scolding, there are spanking. Still, even though it's illegal in this uh, country, 70% of Americans feel or think um, spanking is appropriate. That's biblical as well, right? <laughs> so that's how I grew up. That's how my kids grew up. Um, don't tell them no, <laughs> but that's what happened. Uh, but timeout is actually um, a great way of doing it. And approximately a minute per their age. So if they're five years old, about five minutes of timeout is appropriate. That's what the, the uh, professionals are saying and writing essays and grounding, and there are many different ways of doing things. My sermon title today is called Timeout. Why? Because there is going to be a big timeout for Satan at the end of this history. And that's what we'll be studying today. And we talked about the revelation and talk about how the wedding of the Lamb is going to take place. When, when Jesus entered into the most holy place from the holy place in 1844, that's when the bridegroom came. And the Millerite movement was the cry, the, the midnight cry, the, the loud cry to say that the bridegroom has come. And that's when Jesus went enter, entered into the most holy place. And that's when that started. So the wedding party has started from there. And uh, we talked about it last week. Uh, the, out of ten virgins, five wise virgins and five foolish virgins, five with the lamp and the oil went in whereas the other five didn't have oil and the lamb was dying. And they couldn't go in. That open door is still open today. And when does that door close? The door will shut when the probation closes. That's what it symbolizes. So when the door shuts, the probation will close. And from that time on, and the bridegroom will take the bride to his house and where there will be a... Um, the, the marriage supper or the marriage banquet will take place. That's when Jesus comes back again the second time, take all of us to heaven. And in heaven, we will enjoy the marriage supper of the Lamb. But right now is a time of 
marriage and the door is about to shut. And that's what we need to do. We need to prepare the lamb and the oil and we need to go inside. Follow Christ into the most holy place where he is doing the work of blotting out sin. That's the task that we need to do. That's what it means to follow him inside the marriage um, event or following him inside the most holy place. After that is over, when Jesus comes to take us back home the second time, and that's when this will happen, this timeout will happen. Did you, did you enjoy timeout? Nobody will enjoy timeout. Timeout means, okay, so if you had your room growing up, you will go to your room, like, go to your room, and you can't socialize with your friends. You can't be with your family to have fun or watch TV or anything. You have to be there by yourself. If you didn't, if you didn't have your room, then what do you do? You go to a corner of a living room or something, or a kitchen or something. You go and you face the wall and you stand there for five minutes. <laughs> you can't do anything else, right? That's the timeout that, that I'm aware of. But that's exactly what's happening in Revelation chapter 20. And uh, we will read Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 and a few verses. It says, Revelation 20, verse 1, And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss, and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil or, or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. So here, the Bible talks about abyss, so that the angel will come and lock Satan up in timeout for a thousand years. So what is this, this abyss the Bible is talking about? Abyss is not an English word. What does that mean? So abyss, actually, this is a Greek word, but if you look at the Greek like Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the old Hebrew Bible, because the Jewish people, that uh, diaspora, that people that scattered all over the place forgot Hebrew. They couldn't read Hebrew Bible anymore. So scholars translated the Hebrew portion of the Bible into Greek so they can read the Greek Bible in their Greek language. And that's called Septuagint. From Genesis all the way to Revelation is all written in Greek. Septuagint, or it's called 70 translations because 70 scholars got together and translated that. So if you read uh, Septuagint, you can read the context or the words that are used in both in Old Testament and New Testament. This word in Revelation 20 verse 1, abyss, you can find the same word in the Old Testament. And where is that? And what context do you find that? Revelation chapter 1 verse 1. What's the, oh, verse 2. And what does it say? So verse 1, let there be light. And there was light, right? Uh, that's um, Revelation chapter 1, uh, Daniel chapter, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And verse 2, the earth was without form and void, and the darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. So which word here do you think is the word abyss or abusos? That word in Genesis actually deep. So now um, the darkness was upon the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was moving upon the face of the water. So this word deep 
is the same word as abyss in, in Revelation. What does that mean? What was the condition like before God created uh, the Garden of Eden? What was the earth like before God created the heaven? Yes? Right? Right. So, uh, before God created the, the beautiful world that we know of the Garden of Eden, the world, this, this earth was, first of all, dark. There was no form. There was nothing. So, what, there was water there, but then underneath the water, what was there? What was underneath the water? What came out of the water when God created this earth? The hills, the land, the mountains. So there was earth underneath the water, meaning water and the earth was all mixed up. Right? There was no form of no trees, no animals, no birds, nothing. Right? So that's the condition before the creation. And the word abyss specifically points to that condition. So when Satan is locked up in this place for a thousand years, that condition is going to be just like before the creation. It's like decreation. That's not a word, but if you were to imagine that, it's like creation reversed. That's, where the, that's what the condition of where Satan is going to be locked up in. That's the word abyss. And verse 3 says, deceive the nation no more. So Satan we know as a deceiver. He loves to deceive and he loves to go tempt people. Why does the Bible say he cannot deceive anybody? Why? Yes? Yes. So there is nobody that Satan can tempt because, well, first of all, the, so I mean, everybody knows this, but let me give you some evidences. So nobody will be alive during the uh, 1,000 years and nobody to tempt, basically. Revelation 19, 19 through 21 says, The beast and the false prophet were thrown alive into the fiery lake, and the rest were killed with the sword coming out from the mouth of the rider of the horse. So basically, the beast and the false prophet they will be thrown into the fire and they will be killed. And anybody, all the wicked people that are alive when Jesus comes the second time, what's going to happen to them? They will die because of the presence of God, the fire, the, the light, the glory of God. It will consume them. They will all die. So there is nobody alive here on earth. They're all dead except for Satan and his demons. And what about the righteous people that are alive? and that are resurrected when Jesus comes. They will be where? In heaven. They will go to heaven, right? So that's what's going to happen. So there is nobody here on earth. Nobody here on earth. And we'll come back to that point later on. But it talks about the lake of fire. Now, when does the lake of fire happen? Is it before the 1,000 years or after the 1,000 years? Now, all this time, yes. After a thousand years. That's what I was thinking all this time. But you know what? This study led me to think and look into this. And the Bible is not so clear on this. But if you, you can find enough evidences to say otherwise. So here. If you look at Revelation chapter 
20, which talks about the lake of fire, and Revelation chapter 19 is talking about the second coming of Jesus, right? Second coming of Jesus is portrayed in Revelation 19, and Revelation 20 talks about the, the um, it talks about the 1,000 years, but if you read it, it's talking about before the 1,000 years taking place, soon after the coming of Jesus, second coming of Jesus. So the lake of fire, according to Revelation chapter 19 and 20, is taking place before the 1,000 year period, at the same time as Jesus' second coming. Now, Wait, what about the, the complete destruction of Satan and, and, and the demons and the wicked people? That will happen again at the end of 1,000 years. So what does that mean? Possibly there are two events of lake of fire happening before the 1,000 year and after the 1,000 year. So here, Rivian Herald, January 21, 1862. This is what James White wrote, uh, thus on this point. So if you please, there are two lakes of fire, one at each end of the 1,000 years. So go home and stu study yourself and see if that is true. Okay. Now, all the saints are moved to heaven. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 17. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with, a f uh, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive shall remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds so to meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. This is a beautiful promise that God has given. So when Jesus comes, who is going to rise first? The dead in Christ will rise from their dead. And those of the righteous that are alive, meaning the people who have gone through the Jacob's time of trouble, will alive, and they will join them and where are they meeting Christ? Here on earth? No. It says in the air. So all of a sudden, you will see all the dead people that, are, that came out from their, their tombs and all the people that are alive that have gone through the troubled time. And all of a sudden, they will start to levitate and float to the cloud. So the cloud where Jesus is coming and with the angels. 10,000 and thousands of thousands of angels that are coming, they're not going to come and touch down on the ground. They're going to stay up in the air. And the saints will go up to meet Jesus and the angels up in the cloud, while the rest of the wicked people are dead on the ground. So when you see in the future, someone say, oh, I am Jesus, I've come again the second time. And Jesus has this halo and this shining and the clothes are shining with white uh, glory, you know that's fake. Satan imitating Christ because the Bible says clearly Jesus will not come to this earth. His feet will not touch the ground. We would rather go up to meet him in the air. So please keep that in mind as the Bible says. And again, uh, John 14, 1 through 3, that promise, let not your heart be troubled, there, in my Father's house are many mansions. So these Bible verses talk about how the saints will go up to heaven and will stay up in heaven for how long? A thousand years. So that's what we will be doing. So Jesus will not establish his kingdom here on earth when he comes the second time. Rather, we will go up to heaven for a thousand years. And during the thousand years, something will happen up in heaven and something will happen here on the earth. We'll talk about that. 
And there are, how many resurrections are there? The Bible says there are two resurrections. The first and the second. Okay? So the first resurrection is, um, so here, John 5, 28 to 29 says, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which of all that are in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth that they have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of condemnation. So it says there are two resurrections. Resurrection for, resurrection of life and resurrection of condemnation. So people who have followed Christ and accepted him will come out resurrected in the resurrection of life. They are the ones who will go to heaven and be saved. But if you have rejected Christ all, all this time, God has given us, given people many, many chances. But if you keep on rejecting him, or maybe you have followed Christ at the beginning at one point, but then if you rejected him at the end, then you will fall into this second resurrection category. Unless you are alive when Jesus comes and you'll be killed and then you will rise again the third time or the, the second resurrection when Jesus comes the third time. So the second resurrection is for the wicked. The first resurrection is for the righteous. Second resurrection is for the wicked. Right Here, the verses. Um, we just read John 5, 29. There are two resurrections. And then 1 Thessalonians 4, 17. The dead in Christ will shall rise first what does that mean if there is a first resurrection that means there's something else right so there is another resurrection which the wicked will will be part of now revelation um 20 verse 5 and 7 the rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended when the thousand years are over Satan will be released for a short time from this prison. So the second resurrection is saved or reserved for the wicked people. And they would rise when Jesus comes the third time after the 1,000-year period. Now, is that it? First resurrection, the second resurrection, is that all? Many Christians believe that is true. But as Adventists, and we believe in something else as well. What is that called? That resurrection is called a special resurrection. Bible talks about two different resurrections, and then now we are talking about the special resurrection. What is that? And who is part of this special resurrection? Now, Mark 14, 61 through 62 says, Again, the high priest, who is this high priest? questioning Jesus. Yes. This high priest questioning Jesus at his trial is Caiaphas. So Caiaphas is asking, questioning him, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed one? I am, said Jesus. And you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. You can find the same, same verse in Matthew 26, 64. So here, Jesus looks like, does he look like king in this place when he's tried and he's about to be nailed on the cross? Does he look like king? Does he look like God in his glory? No. He has his thorn of crown on his head, 
Akbar, I mean, he's, he's beaten, and he looks like a, a, a prisoner. He looks like he's about to die. He's, he's been dragged. He's, he stayed up all night, and he's tired. He looks tired. He looks pathetic, basically. There's nothing that you can say he has this dignity and the glory of the king or God. He looks like a prisoner, dirty, and he's chained. Like, and Caiaphas is saying, and, and same with the other, like Pilate and other people, like, do something, prove yourself that you are God, then I will let you go. Look at all these people, they want to kill you, they want to crucify you. Do something. And Christ is silent the whole time. And this question, uh, it, it basically, it was, the, it was a very important question that Caiaphas asked. Are you the Christ, the blessed one? And Jesus couldn't be silent here. And he said, I am. And he answered and said, you will see me coming in the glory. And you will see me sitting on the right hand of the throne in the cloud. And he had promised. And Caiaphas and all the other leaders that were, that were uh, uh, um, mocking Jesus, persecuting Jesus, what do you think they felt in their heart when Jesus said that sentence? This dirty-looking person who is beaten up, who is looking tired, who is about to die. Like, you will see me in glory. And they're like, no way. <laughs> I don't believe you. Do something now, I'll believe you now. But look at you. You look pathetic. I can beat you up and you can do nothing. But Jesus made the promise. And that promise, Jesus has to keep. So what's going to happen? So if you think about it, is Caiaphas alive now, today? The soldiers that nailed him on the cross, that pierced him on the cross, are they alive? No. All the leaders, Jewish leaders, Pharisees, the priests, they're all dead. They're, it's been 2,000 years. They're all dead. How can they see Jesus coming? Revelation 1-7, Behold, he cometh with, in the, with the cloud, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him will also see him coming. How is this going to be possible? This is made possible only if they can resurrect and see Jesus coming in the cloud. Do you think they will recognize the face of Jesus? It'll be difficult to recognize because he doesn't look anything like what they have seen him. He looked pitiful, pathetic, tired. He had no glory in him. But now, when they see Jesus coming in the cloud, they will recognize his eyes. They will recognize his face. They will recognize his, his, uh, the way how, how he presents himself. Yet, he is in his white glory with thousands and millions of angels supporting him from behind, coming from the cloud, sitting on the throne, coming down. And now, what do you think they would look like? Their face expressions would look like. <laughs> Another Bible expression, rocks and mountains fall on us and hide me from the presence of God. That's exactly what they would say. So they have to resurrect and see Jesus coming. Jesus has to keep his promise. So in the special resurrection, so these are wicked people. 
they are supposed to rise on the which resurrection? The righteous, the first resurrection or the second resurrection? Because they're wicked. They are supposed to rise for the, the resurrection of condemnation, which is the second resurrection at the end of 1,000 years. However, because of, because of the promise that Jesus had made, they need to wake up and see Jesus coming, and they will rise around the same time as the first resurrection, the resurrection of the righteous, and they will see Jesus coming. And what's going to happen to them? After they have seen Jesus, oh, that's Jesus, that's true. He said the truth, and yes, he was God. And then they'll die from the presence of God's glory. They will die. So they will die how many times? Three times. They died the first time, the natural death, and they will rise, and they will die the second time at the special resurrection, and they will rise again the third time, and they will die the eternal death the third time. So they will die three times. Poor guys. But that's what's going to happen to them. But in this special resurrection, it's not just the wicked people that pierce Jesus will rise. There is another group that will join this special resurrection. Who are they? Here, Daniel chapter 12, verse 2. It says, Multitudes who slept in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. So here, Bible talks about how some will rise to the everlasting life and some to shame, not all. So Daniel is referring to only some people will rise and some wicked will rise and some righteous will rise. He's referring to the special resurrection here. He doesn't spell it out in the Bible says, this is a special resurrection, but that's what it's meaning to. Early writings, this is rather a long quote, but I would like to read it, it's on the screen. Early writings, page 285, paragraph one, says this. It was at midnight that God chose to deliver his people. At the wicked... As the wicked were mocking around them, suddenly the sun appeared, shining in his strength, and the moon stood still. The wicked looked upon the scene and with amazement, while the saints beheld with solemn joy the tokens of their deliverance. Signs and wonders followed in quick succession. Everything seemed turned out of its natural course. The stream stopped, ceased to flow. Dark Heavy clouds came up and clashed against each other. But there was one clear place of settled glory, whence came the voice of God like many waters, shaking the heavens and the earth. There was a mighty earthquake. The graves were opened, and those who had died in faith under the third angel's message kept the Sabbath, came forth from their dusty beds, glorified, to hear the covenant of peace that God was to make with those who had kept his law. So here, it clearly talks about how this group of people that have believed, which message? The third angel's message and have kept the Sabbath that have died, have been resurrected from their dusty beds and see Jesus coming. So this special resurrection. So, okay, let me make it clear. There are two resurrections that Bible talks about. The resurrection of, first resurrection, which is for the righteous people. They will rise when? Before, after the 1,000 year. 
before 1,000 years when Jesus comes, okay? The second resurrection is reserved for the wicked or the righteous? The wicked, which will take place when? Before or after the 1,000 years? After the 1,000 years, okay? The special resurrection will take place when? Before the 1,000 years and just before the first resurrection. The people who are resurrected the first time, they would see Jesus coming, but it would be more of a, after Jesus had come down, they would be resurrected. Now, the people that are in the special resurrection will be resurrected just before the first resurrection, and they would have to witness Jesus coming. So they're the ones who would resurrect and see Jesus coming. So they would rise before the first resurrection, part of the first resurrection. Now, when that happens, they will be able to see Jesus coming. So people who have died, so when, when did the third angel's message go out? Eighteen forty, eighteen forty-four, around that time. That's when the third angel's message went out. So the people that have believed the third angel's message and have died since that time, including who? Ellen White, and many other people, the pioneers that have died, have had their faith in the the the, the third angel's message and in faith they would have to wake up and see Jesus coming and be part of this special group. So that's what this special resurrection is made of. So friends, which group do you want to be part of? The first resurrection or the second resurrection? Resurrection of righteous or resurrection of the condemnation? And as you know, we, have, we don't have a choice. We cannot be part of the first resurrection because we are not dead yet. And even if we die, we will not be part of the first resurrection, even if we accept Christ. We'll be part of the which resurrection? The special resurrection because we now live under the third angel's message. So it's either the special resurrection or the second resurrection. So which one do we need to be part of? That is the question that we have to ask ourselves. And Revelation 14, 13 says this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on, from henceforth. So that's what this is referring to. From the third angel's message in 1844, people who die in Christ are blessed because we have this privilege of raising, uh, be, uh, rising up during the special resurrection. When I was in middle school, uh, I lived in a dormitory. Uh, it, was a, it was a boarding school. And I was only like 13, um, like JJ's age. And I was away from home, and I had to manage all by myself, wake up early in the morning and go to school and eat at the cafeteria and do my own laundry and take care of all my business on my own. There are no parents telling me what to do, what not to do. I was on my own, basically. I had to do my own study. Nobody tells me you have to do your study, homework, and all that, do your assignments. It's just on my own. If I don't do it, then my grades suffer, basically. Now, I had to wake up at 5.30 every single day, and the day started from 5.30. So 
and the day starts, there is a bell ringing, and you have to go outside. So everyone in the dormitory had, they were kicked out outside to pray in the, in the mountains for five minutes or 10 minutes, and then come back in. That's how you can take a shower and get ready and, and get, it, get ready for the day. So sometimes um, that's when we wake up, 5.30, that's when we wake up. But sometimes you need to wake up earlier to prepare for your exams and whatnot, right? So then to wake up early, what do you do to wake up early? What do you do to wake yourself up? What do you use? Alarm, right? So most people will use their what? Their cell phones nowadays to, does anybody use a regular alarm clock to wake up today? Some people do, some people do. Uh, I use my cell phone now. And how does the cell phone or your alarm clock go off when it goes off? What does it sound like? My cell phone will play a beautiful music, like birds singing or some kind of music. Or your alarm clock that has the digital numbers will go like beep, 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 beep. You hear that, right? When I was in, in school, what kind of alarm clock did I have? I had the bell one, you know that? the one that has a bell on top, and the hammer is going back and forth. For those of you who don't know what that is, I'll show you, demonstrate what that sounds like, if you can play the video. That's what it sounds like, okay? <laughs> so, um, yeah. Now, when I wanted to wake up at like four o'clock or five o'clock or, or get up early to study, I will set the alarm clock at, okay, okay, four o'clock, I'm getting up. And I go to bed at like, what, 10. Guess what happens? <laughs> when I open my eyes, it's like 5.30. <laughs> or like Sunday, if I want to get up early, there is no 5.30 wake up call. I'll sleep at like 10. What does that mean? I slept through the alarm clock. Have you done that before? Not even pushing the snooze button. You just go sleep through the whole thing, right? Now, that alarm clock is really, really loud. That's like, I mean, loud. When I slept through that, what does that mean? Because I have roommates, like three other roommates in my room. No one woke up either. <laughs> Everybody slept through the whole thing. That is so loud. You can hear it from the next door, next room. But basically, you know, like growing kids, um, everybody slept through the whole thing. My point is that the people who are going to wake up the second time, the second resurrection, they will sleep through the greatest, the craziest event of human history, the second coming of Jesus. They will sleep right through that. All the wicked people that are dead from the time of Adam are sleeping in the graves now, including the people who have killed Jesus. They're all sleeping. When Jesus comes, there'll be earthquakes, there'll be tsunamis, there'll be um, hailstorm, and there'll be hurricanes. Just imagine the worst possible things. If you combine the earthquake, the tsunami, the hail, the just anything, wildfire, we can't, I mean, we have to say the wildfire. We have seen so many here in California. If you see all those things combined, the worst possible things, how terrible do you think the earth will look like? A beast. Basically, that's what's going to happen. And those people will sleep right through that. When they wake up, like, oh, what happened? 
The earth is in ruins, and Satan has been locked up in this place for a thousand years. Now, do you want to wake up when Jesus comes, or do you want to sleep right through that, like I slept through the alarm clock for 30 minutes, the loud banging alarm clock for 30 minutes, and all my roommates the same? <laughs> I don't want any of us to sleep through the second coming of Jesus. Do you want to wake up when Jesus comes the second time? Or rather, do you want to stay alive when Jesus comes the second time and accept him and be part of that 144,000? Do you want to be part of that group? And I pray that we be part of that group. And for us to be part of that group, we need to be part of that group now. We need to be part of the group that enter into the marriage ceremony now. Enter into the second chamber, the most holy place, where Jesus is doing his work of, of getting rid of sin. We need to enter in now before the door closes. When the door closes, it will be too late. So I pray that we will be part of that group. And before I do the closing prayer, I would like to, uh, we changed our, our uh, worship order a little bit. We would be, uh, I'll be talking about the offering. You can go to the next slide. Tizen offering. Today's offering um, is for NAD North American Division Voice of Prophecy. And let me try my Spanish. La Vaz de la Esperanza. So that is Voice of Hope in Spanish. So that offering will go to those two, um, uh, those two costs for the loose offering. And the rest of the offering, you can uh, collect it. And those of you who want to give your offering today, you can offer, you can drop it off in one of those baskets at the end. As you exit, there will be a basket outside. You can drop it off as you exit. Or you can still give online. You can still come to church to drop it off. You can still give me a call, and um, I can go pick it up in the same way. Let us have a prayer for the closing um, prayer and for, for the tithes and the offerings. Let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we have studied about the uh, 1,000 years how you have given this time for the saints to go up to heaven where we will be judging God's people and the angels. And we will see how just you are, how fair you are up in heaven for a thousand years. During the thousand years, Satan will be here, er, here on earth, has nobody to tempt, everyone is dead. And all the wicked people that are dead are here in the graves here on earth. And Lord, during that time, as we study that time, we want to be part of the first resurrection or the special resurrection or the group that is alive when Jesus comes, part of that 144,000. So Lord, thank you for the privilege that we can be part of any of those three. And we want to be part of that group that is part of the righteous people that will go to heaven. So Lord, we pray that you please help us to be part of that group now so that we can be part of the righteous group. We don't want to sleep through the second coming of Jesus and wake up 1,000 years too late. So please, Lord, save us now. Bless all your people so that we will be able to study the Bible and accept your invitation to go into the marriage ceremony now. Lord, we also pray for the offering that we give. Uh, thank you for all your blessings that you've given us in each and every one of our lives as we give a little portion back to you. May you take our tithes and offerings that we give faithfully. Please bless the hands that, pre that prepare the offering. 
May you bless each and every soul in their life, their, their um, income, their job, their earnings. It may be difficult at times, but Lord, please bless it. And may we know that God is the one who blesses us and you are the one who sustains our lives. Thank you so much for hearing our prayers. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.